knock, knock. Who's there? Wrong answer. Because nowadays, the, the answer to that is, what do you want? You do it all the time. From the quick little text that you're sending to your friends and your family to emails you're sending at work. Are they effective? Are they getting through? Well, you're going to find out soon. With Carla Bass's book, Right to Impress, she's in the 30-second book club this week. You have an incredible journey to writing a book. First off, uh, thank you for your service, uh, retired uh, Colonel Carla Bass from uh, the Air Force. How did you get to the point to writing a book and, and getting to here? Uh, well, the the answer was I, I had no choice, uh, and, and it actually begins with how I how I came to this realization that powerful writing changes lives. That's now my battle cry. So when I was a lieutenant colonel, I was in command of 480 people, young young folks, there in Hawaii. When I took command, it was the most losing unit in the island for professional quarterly and annual awards, which was really hurting career progressions of some really deserving people. So I recognized that it wasn't that they didn't deserve to win because they were fabulous. The problem was their immediate bosses couldn't write well. So you could be the best staff sergeant, the best lieutenant God ever invented, but if your boss can't tell your story, you know, you basically lose. So I I taught my guys how to write. We began sweeping the awards, and I I taught my methodology for the next 15 years to thousands of people. Now, how did I come to write the book? I I found myself at a crossroads. I could, this thing, this right to influence, the word sculpting, it became part of me after all of that, and I kept receiving thank yous, Colonel Bass. If it hadn't been for, I wouldn't have... So at the crossroads, I had two choices. I either had to, to flush it from my system or write the book. And I could not flush it because there have been so many people that benefited from it. I, I simply had to write the book. I thought this was interesting, just right from the beginning, because this is something that I don't do. So I'd be interested to see, maybe I should change, or is it just a, a stylistic preference? You talk about when you're writing something for the first time, to just write and don't stop to correct anything. Why, why would you say that? Well, and, and, and I also say that that's very much a personal approach. Uh, for me, the, the thoughts need the thoughts. You know, it's the same thing as brainstorming. When you're working with a group in a brainstorming session, the idea is get the ideas out there. Don't diss anybody. Don't uh, edit yourself as you're just get the thoughts out there. So, so that's my recommendation is you have, you have the idea, you have the journey in your head on which you want to take the reader. Just put it on paper uh, and, and then go back and refine it. Um, for, for me, if I refine it as I go along, that, that changes my focus from big picture, tell the story, to refining it paragraph by paragraph, and, and I find you can actually lose the thought process that way. And, I mean, is that something that you'd even recommend if, you, if someone's just sending an email as well, as opposed to a book, a book or a letter or an email? Is it all the same? And, and, Anything, it's all the same. You, you, whether it's a short journey or a long journey on what you want to take the reader, you still have a story to tell. Um, but again, this is completely personal. Hmm. It, it, it's, it's what the individual is comfortable with. So you talk about also about every word counting and, and how we use just too many words when we write. So what, what's your best, and you have so many tips in this book about how to be more concise, but what was, what's your best tip if you're just walking by someone, they say, Carla, I just need some help. What's the first thing I can do? Useless words. That, that's, that's the first of my 10 word sculpting tools. It's also the, the easiest to apply, and, and you probably gain the net benefit from, from that particular tool. 
and that's basically recognizing uh, words that that carry no weight at all in your sentence uh, and eliminate those. That that immediately tightens up the sentence and buys you more space to tell your story. I think it'd be good if, to give an example too, if you have if if you can think of an example real quick. Sure, provide yeah. with. I I, pro- I provided I provided you with uh, with the book, but with. Provide, provide is a, a, a transitive noun. It takes a direct object. Never, 100% never do you have to say the word with. I provided you a fork. I provided you the opportunity. I provided you an invitation. You don't ever have to say with. Another good example, and this is about 99% of the time, in order to, I, I, I sat down at the telephone in order to call you. You don't have to say in order. I sat down at the phone to call. Um, I made an appointment in order to just don't you don't have to say in order. Hmm, love that. So I think I think a lot of people will think about your book and this conversation and think, well, I don't really write a lot, but everyone's writing emails all the time. I mean, it's 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 part of life or even text. And so, you know, what's what's one tip you would say to write more effective emails? And, and that, that's easy, too, is put the important part of the email up front. So, so let me tell you my time and space formula. In fact, here's a, here's a quick game. Knock, knock. Who's there? Wrong answer. Because nowadays, the, the answer to that is, what do you want? I'm busy. You're busy. Every time you, you send an email, you call somebody, you communicate in any way, I'm interrupting what you're doing. So the idea is to make your point, get off the stage, and, and don't be so obtrusive or intrusive. So if you can imagine... Uh, a white rectangle, make it about an inch tall and five or six inches wide. It's, it's blank, it's white. That is its opportunity. So the point here is that every writer, no matter what you're writing, you're constrained by two things. You're constrained by time, knock, knock, I'm busy, what do you want? And you're constrained by space. So, for example, in, in some organizations, uh, your boss has he's limited to 5,000 characters to, to give your annual performance appraisal. Uh, you're limited to 1,000 characters to provide input. The above-the-fold space on web pages, space-constrained. Uh, describe your, your book in 25 words or less. Uh, submit a grant application, but you, you're you're limited to X number of pages. So the author who can who can leverage time and space the best often wins. That's why when you get down to provide with with is six very critical spaces if you're into that kind of constrained writing. You know, it's funny because it's the same thing with radio, right, Carla? They say that now people's attention spans are so short. I have seven seconds to hook them when Ten I start. Seconds. When I start talking, or they're out. Yep. <laughs> so, so, yeah. So, so I, so I, that first sentence is so important, and I think it's 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 interesting. You talk about later in the book that you start with the subject. Yeah. So, go, going back to email, that the best way to lose the reader on an email is to start the opening word with "thank you very much for," because my response as I'm reading that, if I'm receiving it, is "you're welcome," and I click the email and I'm off to something else. And I wouldn't see that in your second or third paragraph. There's something that you really need me to do or I really need to know about it, but I'm not going to get there because in the journalistic terminology, you buried the lead. In anything you're writing, most important part uh, point goes up top. 
We talked about email. We talked about just writing in general. I think it'd be interesting as well because I, I, this is something I don't, I haven't had to do in a while. But you know, when you have to dust off the resume and and update it, you know, how do we write a resume and how do we make our resume stand out? Okay, first thing is I'm going to talk about the bullets because resumes are done in bullets. Um, uh, I'm going the, the the examples I'm going to read to you all came from one single resume, and I. I Listen for the snags. So what you should do is use direct, powerful verbs and make sure they're in the same tense, as in either present or past, but don't mix it up. So this is all from this is how not to do it. Responsible for, solely responsible for, provide coordination, responsible for, coordinates, provides analysis, develop and maintain, provided support, responsible for, utilizes best practices, responsible for, you get it? One, it snags, and if, if you snag, you've lost the reader's attention, which is game over there. Second, responsible for doesn't say what you've done. You can be responsible for it, but have completely gooned it and, and not done what you ought to have done, so responsible for doesn't tell me what you've done. Um, provide coordination. Provide is a really rotten verb. It doesn't tell me anything. So all of these bullets pretty much begged the question, what did you do? So number one tip is tell me what you did. Examples, developed, implemented, initiated, created, composed, organized, integrated, led, boom, 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 boom. The second is detail. Uh, a lot of people miss the detail in their bullets. Um, so detail add contour, text, and dimension for the reader. It's a mental yardstick so the reader can understand what you're trying to say. Example, um, let, it, let a team on a study uh, of an aging computer system uh, made, recommenda made recommendations, period. That would be the bullet. Uh, bad. How you fix that is, is let a nine-person team on a six-week study, here, here are the details, mm -hmm. made seven recommendations. The CEO took all of them, saved the company $850,000. Mm. That's the difference that detail makes. All about the details. I love that. That's a great tip because I don't think I've ever done that in a resume. Nope. I'm, I'm wondering I, how I'm still employed. <laughs> no, it, 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 honestly, it, it makes a story blossom. Hmm. And, and then the last is proofread. Don't count on automated proofreading applications. Do it yourself. Do it slowly. Go from the bottom up and pay attention to everything. And don't get lost in the storyline, which is why I recommend proofing something from the bottom up so that you don't your brain doesn't get wrapped around the substance, the message of what you're trying to say. You do that, you can very often overlook mistakes. You also talk about, um, in your writing to influence, you talk about sending subliminal messages. And it sounds so sneaky and underhanded, but I, I like the idea of, I mean, it's just simply reinforcing what you're trying to say in different oh, ways. It, it is. So here, and, and, and these are, it's a tool. Uh, that comes under my strategy section. So here, Chosen for, all right. That's a that's a powerful verb. Chosen for, named as, uh, in an agency-wide competition or selected in an agency agency-wide, being the bell ringer process. Mm. Other subliminal messages is uh, for whom were you doing the work? Example, um, for uh, let's see, uh, created a handbook 
read by the CEO or used by the CEO uh, or supported the division chief. The division chief, if you're in the government and it's an SES2, tell the reader at what level is this division chief. Uh, one of one of five people selected to compete for the aid to the Secretary of Defense. Uh, the Secretary of Defense, like I use CEO, that's a really clever way to to connote the level of responsibility for which you're being considered. And that by itself is a calling factor because not every Tom, Dick, and Harry, and Jane, and Mary is, is good enough to even be considered um, at that level of performance. So those are all subliminal messages. All right. So we talked about subliminal messages. We've talked about um, being more concise. I thought this was really good, too. You, you talk about in your book ways to uh, help your readers keep focus on your main point and sometimes I don't know I I go in rabbit trails as I'm just talking to you right now you know how do we how do we stay focused when our in our writing oh that's I think the garden gates the idea is you you as the writer know the story that you're trying to tell the reader you know the beginning of it you know the conclusion that you want that person to reach so you need to make sure that you don't inadvertently open garden gates so the reader can ac- can wander. If the reader wanders, you've lost them by definition, and you've, you've hurt your, your messaging. Example, don't write things that cause the reader to go, what? Um, examples from resumes is uh, facilitated induction forms. Okay, well, how do you facilitate a form? Okay, that was a garden gate, and they lost me. Another one is set aside ego to conduct mundane yet important tasks. Seriously, <laughs> uh-huh. so 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 right there, you lost me because instead of listening to what you're trying to tell me, I'm wondering what kind of a person writes set aside ego. All right, so there's a garden gate. Um, sticks like glue to to complete the task or to to follow the cla- the task through completion. Sticks like glue. Okay, fine, you lost me on that one also. Um, imprecisely used statistics are also garden gates. Uh, the, the the best of my division chiefs, okay, that's half told, Num- number one of my division chiefs, sorry, number one out of how many, or uh, uh, one, uh, was rated 1.5 in an error-free report. What, what does that mean? Or if you use job-related jargon that you understand, but the person reading it isn't going to. Uh, military have a lot of difficulties with this sometimes. For example, uh, they'll they'll say um, Operation Enduring Freedom. This is an old military operation, but it was such a part of them, they, they don't think not to say that. But people out there who are reading it aren't going to have any idea what Operation Enduring Freedom is. Therefore, the whole point is lost to the reader. So that's where I say make sure you don't open garden gates. All right, one more thing. Um... And your book has so much, and there's if you if, if people really want to find out more, uh, be sure to check out the book. It's called Right to Influence. It's great. Yep. And and my my website, I sometimes forget to get this in there. It's it's uh, right to influence dot net. Okay. And they can email me at Carla at right to influence dot net. So and yeah, again, there's so much information. You're gonna have to dig deep. I I I went through it and I thought, man, I'm gonna have to dig deep through each one of your world's word sculpting things and everything like that. But just to so we don't get overwhelmed, if someone's mm-hmm. listening to this and they they they're about to pop up in their email and just send an email, 
What's the one thing you want them to think about as they're writing that email? You've got X number of seconds to communicate your message to the recipient. What's the most important thing you want to convey and, and put that up front? Second one would be leverage the title space, you know, the, the subject line. That's very valuable space. So if you want to smack me up the head it's, uh, and there's an action, I'm, I'm supposed to do something, subject is action in capital letters, colon, and then give me what the, what the, the subject is. Thanks so much again, Carla, for spending some time uh, with this. And if you want to find out more about her book, again, write to influence.net or just pick up her Right to Influence book. And I love teaching workshops. It, all, the, all the information about my workshops is, uh, is on the website. It's the feeling no parent wants to have when they find out that their son or daughter may be doing things that are dangerous. And they realize, well, I have a prodigal child. If you need help with that, maybe you know somebody who needs help with that. You don't want to miss next week's 30-second book club, or we'll be talking to Judy Slay about her book, Help, I Have a Prodigal. And good news, if that's you, there is hope.